Hello, David. Hello. How are you doing on this fine pre-winter day? Um, okay. Um, Would you care to elaborate on that? I mean, uh, you know, I would say that I I have a lot of work to do, and I've been distracted by a lot of things, unfortunately. It's making me a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, things related to our podcast series or just other personal things? Uh, no, like work. Um, I, I was showing a coworker how he could use a, a map to basically fake time zones um, in a test, and that would be better than trying to rely on the clock. But it involved me doing a lot of like looking up time zones. And time zones have been found to cause depression in computer programmers, I know. Yeah, and I'm worried actually I messed it up. No, no, okay, no, 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 no. That should be correct. I got it right. Yes, yeah, yeah, I feel good about it. Uh yeah. So anyway, I was I was trying to get him to, to write a test that didn't that didn't depend on the, the time of day. And so I said, what what you do is just just insert a fake time zone into the that they don't try to read the time zone off of the clock, try to set a just set a fake time time zone in there. And and then I and then you know I came up with a different a bunch of different examples that sort of hit every every cycle by just picking a different time zone. Well, I guess anyway, frustrating. Yeah. You said it was yeah, anyway. you feel sad. Oh no, I'm just I'm just a little annoyed because it's like I'm I'm being distracted from my own work. Ah, uh, I see. Gotcha. But I mean, like, I hate flaky tests. And I mean, the test wasn't flaky, but I mean, like, anything that's sort of the output is going to depend on what time of the test being run. I'm just like, I, that's scary. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, a stable reproducible test case is a gift from God. Yes. And a stochastic one is the work of the devil. So are you able to talk now, or do you need to go back and finish things off too? Okay, so um, I, I wanted to ask, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a few things. Um, if if you don't have anything you want to start with, nothing urgent. Nothing urgent. So you have. Things I'm curious what you thought about yesterday, but it, you know. It may come up in addressing your questions, so. Um, yeah, all right. Let me let me let me just go first then. Right, so I had a long chat with Rob. And with, with um, who? With Robbie. Robbie. Oh, nice. And um, he he told me that he was under the impression that um. This this DBS thing would be the main thing that we're doing going forward. 
in the group. And I was surprised to hear that. Um, and I wasn't aware that we had we had decided to do that. I thought it was something that we had tried, and it was something that we would use if if need be. But it, I didn't I didn't understand that this group was just going to become a DBS group. And I was hoping you could help me understand why he thought that, or what the current what the actual reality is. Yeah, what the reality is, and then then we can talk about. I mean, like if if he's if he's accurate, then then there's a good reason for him to think that, and I'm the one who's confused. Well, it's not accurate, but there's a good reason for him to think that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, can you tell me what the reality is first? Okay. So the reality is that um, there is no clear understanding of exactly what we are doing. And that is something that me, you, and Ted have to converge around. There have been okay. various hypotheses floated for what it could be that we are doing. And certainly during the DBS arc, uh, one possibility, which I may have verbalized, is that this could be the central thing that we need to do in order to achieve our purpose, that th this being DBS. And now I'm more of partly because of your influence that, you know, DBS by itself is probably a key element, but not necessarily sufficient in itself to help us accomplish what God wants us to do, whatever that might be. So that's, uh, and so since Robbie came in during that arc and, you know, is strongly emotionally invested in DBS, uh, I think that is probably where he got that impression. Okay. Um, all right. So that so that's just not the reality. Okay. I what you're saying lines up with what I was expecting. I think. Um, yeah, I think he was expecting that. Um, I think he's made a few comments actually throughout about how he he's he's here to sort of bring DBS to the group and sort of to talk about it and to sort of help us get going on that. So he's, he's said multiple times something along that line in the group meeting. And yeah. I always just took it as um, he was just, he's just trying to influence us, sort of like, you know, Ted is trying to influence us with what he cares about, et cetera. Um, I, yeah. I didn't take it as that was his expectation that this is the norm. In particular, mm -hmm. because he was saying to me that, like, um, what happened yesterday was he, he thought, like, Ted's thing was the deviation and that uh, the DBS thing for Bill was the, was the expected norm. And right, which is not entirely accurate because I did post, but I think he may not be on the group meet thread, actually. I should double check on that. Ooh, that actually might explain a, a, quite a number of things. It certainly hasn't been uh, very long if he has, so... Right, and, and also there's no expectation that he would go back and read everything, right? Right, yeah. And also, you know, Texas, you know, certainly I did post an article, uh, you know, saying that this was going to be our, our plan for the next three weeks. But the first one uh, didn't greatly resemble what I wrote down. And so it's hard to fault someone for not believing anything I write down. <laughs> I guess that's true. 
Um, he is in the group. Okay. Um, don't really know how he, I can tell when he joined, though. Yeah, he probably joined during the DBS arc. Um, regardless, so he would have, you know, so I did post saying that for the next few weeks we're planning to do this, and that therefore, you know, Bill's DBS idea was in deviation from what I had said. But again, I don't know. I don't even remember if he was there. Uh, no, he was there during the week with Janet. He was the one who suggested the practice that we used, actually. Yeah, so for, uh, one had, thing I would You added a moment. Yeah. So one thing I did notice, though, is that uh, Robbie's primary interest was DBS, but I do, re I do recall him saying to me the thing that he is uh, intrigued by and attracted to is this issue of hearing and obeying Jesus. And so in that sense, he is broader in his interests than Eric was, whereas Eric was very uh, kind of, I think very uh, before uh, the discussion with Janet two weeks ago, was very much like, well, DBS is like necessary in order to keep Jesus at the center. And after Robbie introduced this alternate practice, uh, Eric was actually like, wow, oh, that really had Jesus in the center and it was not DBS. That is uh, unexpectedly cool. And so um, my sense is that um, his initial interest was DBS. I think he is more broadly intrigued by this issue of experiencing Jesus. And I was actually quite pleased that he engaged as strongly as he did during Ted's conversation given that it was not at all what he was expecting um, and, you know, didn't, at least at first glance, appear to be in line with his interests. I think Robbie is in the process of growing his uh, sense of affinity to the group, which is a nice thing. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been doing a, he's been definitely participating and doing a good job. Um, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I like think like the rest of us, he's still asking the question, why exactly am I here? Uh, and is this group doing something that is aligned with my interests? Yes. Right. So, um, yeah, he's participating. Um, so. I just wanted I just wanted that clarified so I understood. Uh, I wanted okay. to know my expectations were way off, and there they are. So that that actually simplifies this conversation. All right, good. Thank you. Anything else on your to do list? Um. Did you did you have a a phone conversation with Bill? I have not. I okay. attempted to. And for the record, uh, um, when I asked Bill if he wanted to talk late last Friday, he said, no, I think we've been having too many side conversations uh, that should be happening with everyone present. And so I think that was why I assumed he was uh, planning to be there this past Tuesday. And I think that at the time he may have had that, Bill was sort of processing in real time with me. And so I had a hard time interpreting 
what the actual state of his intent and emotions were. Perhaps he did as well. I don't, I can't say for sure. And so I was uh, disappointed, but not entirely surprised when uh, Bill failed to show up based on the things he had said. So I probably had some uh, advance warning for you. Uh, uh, the flip side, though, Bill, I think, agreed that since he didn't make it this Tuesday, it would be good for him and I to talk on Friday. So at this point, he and I are scheduled to have our uh, off and on Friday Zoom conversation. Okay. Um, so uh, did he talk to Ted then, or was this just all done over text when, it, when he picked uh, the Yeah, I, I don't think I had any meaningful side conversations with Ted. I think everything I had was on the three-way text with the three of us. Well, no, I mean, like, uh, how, well, I guess, I, I don't know. I, this is mostly just me being curious. Did, was it, was it uh, done, did Bill suggest to you via text that you do Romans, or did he talk to Ted and suggest that? As far as I know, Bill has not talked to Ted at all. Oh, okay. Because I, I thought you asked Ted to, but I guess that, I guess you just handled it. Okay. All right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I thought, well, yeah, as far as I know, if Bill has and Ted have talked, they have not provided evidence of that in any of their conversations with me. Okay. Right. And I should clarify, I did talk to Ted earlier last week about slides and so forth for this week, but it didn't. Uh, nothing much came of it. All right, so that was your questions? Yes. Ah, yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess, two questions somewhat related. How you felt about Tuesday and how you felt during Tuesday? Um, With regards to our... Session. Can you go first so I can have time to sort of sure. gather my thoughts? Absolutely. Happy to. So I was feeling anxious. Um, so I was feeling very anxious on Monday when we were still throw thrashing in that, I think, if I recall correctly, you the one who first raised the question of, well, actually, let me, let me go back and see what I'm clear on. So I think Bill had expressed concern that what Ted seemed to be talking about was basically just a version of New Canaan society. And he didn't see what that really had to do with loving more like Jesus. And then he expressed uh, frustration with the edited version of last Tuesday's conversation. Oh, and, that's right. I meant to ask you that. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is sort no, of urgent and relevant. Um, yeah. I didn't go back to watch the, the video, and I've been meaning uh -huh. to, but could you just tell me? Uh, I'm assuming you just cut out the part where Janet basically named. Is is that what you cut so, out, or is there something that... Well, I guess I'll have to cut out this part, too, if we're trying to do that. But um, the... Oh, I'm so, so sorry. I forgot this was recorded. Bye, guys. <laughs> So that's fine. Um, the um, what happened was is that I cut out. Uh, so there's a part where, where Janet just says she's struggling with some relationship issues, and then she goes into detail about the relationship issues, 
and talks about what happened. So I basically cut out all of the identifying information about what happened and who was involved. I don't think she ever actually mentioned names during the call, um, but she gave us information that made it. So the hope was that yes. if someone did not already know the details of the situation, uh, it wouldn't give them any clarity about the situation. But there was sufficient information left that Bill uh, could realize that he was one of the people that was being talked about, and he could infer what people were saying about his role in it uh, based on the emotions people expressed and the statements they made. Um, and that uh, he found uh, disturbing. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess objectionable is probably the, the right technical term. And so I asked him, okay, well, what do you think we should do about it? And I think this is a general thing that I'm trying to remember is the reason product managers have a job is that when people are unhappy, they're not always able to articulate it in a way that clarifies what needs to be done about it. And so um, it was a uh, minor success when Bill mentioned that you know, he wanted to do something that was not top-down, leader-centered, but was more like listening to the spirit or an organic. And so I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about unless you mean DBS. He goes, yeah, I can work with DBS. And then, and so that's when he, he um, uh, agreed that a DBS around women's 15 and 14 would address his concerns. And I, I personally believe that at that point he intended to come on Tuesday, but as he processed his feelings um, and thoughts about the situation, I think he convinced himself that it would not end well and therefore he should not participate. And he didn't, he didn't say anything to you about that though. I, uh, it's possible he did. Um, he, he like used the word enough and I couldn't tell if he meant like, I've had enough of this and I'm leaving or, uh, I've said enough or, you know, yeah. So he, he made statements that possibly were clear to him, but were ambiguous to me. And I did not feel that pressing him was likely to generate greater clarity. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, I, thank you for that contact. Um, and just for the record, approximately how much time do you think you removed from the uh, video? We're we talking just like like a, a minute or two, or are we talking like 10 minutes? Oh, I think I, uh, in terms of from the original video? Yeah. Um, oh, so I think I took it down for, I think I, I think I chopped a good like, 10, 15 minutes out of the original video. Oh, so most okay. Of, yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry for interrupting. Uh, thank mm -hmm. you for for that tangent. All right. No, fine. So anyway, so yeah, so coming in there, so uh, so I had multiple anxieties. Uh, going into the event. One was that uh, Bill would not show up. Uh, the second was that Bill would show up, 
and his fears would materialize and things would end badly. And so um, I kind of spent some time that morning kind of praying and processing through it and said, okay, uh, this is why I'm no, it's not my responsibility. This is why we have the structure where you and Ted, uh, you know, have, like Ted makes the call, you make the decisions that happens during the meeting, and I am okay with that, and I will trust that God will use it one way or the other. So when that was kind of the, the emotional state I was at coming going in, when um, Bill failed to materialize, I was sad. Um, it's not entirely surprised. Uh, I will to be. I was perfectly honest, uh, so, but I was still hopeful that if we did the thing that Bill asked us of, that that would be a sign of good faith, so that it would make it easier for him to come back in the future. And so, in that context, I was. I think "miffed" is the right word when you raised your concern about whether or not to do this. Um, although I thought it was very well handled and very. Um, articulate and appropriate and um i was actually um if this makes any sense both annoyed and pleased when ted left it up to a vote um and <laughs> i was also i was also obscurely pleased uh that the group's decision went against my preference because i'm always happy when people take more responsibility for things and i, I take a certain perverse satisfaction in not getting my own way. And then um, in, you know, in all transparency, I was not looking forward to Ted uh, sharing in an unstructured way because I've gone through this a few times before. And at least I went through twice where I felt like he said basically the same thing over again. And I was afraid this was gonna be, I was sort of expecting it to be a repetition of that. Um, but a couple of interesting things happened. One is that he did share differently than he did before, even if it was about similar things. And uh, despite myself, I found myself emotionally encouraged, uh, especially by the story about joy from that family with, uh, you know, living in a tent with nine people who takes in uh, additional people uh, out of the sake of compassion and were joyful about it rather than grumbling because uh, that struck home for me on a number of levels. The um, other thing was that, you know, I'm a big stickler for formats. And I was really sort of annoyed that Ted hadn't, you know, gone through all the work of doing the format and filling out the slides because I felt that made for better conversations. But then uh, I was really sort of gratified and humbled when Ted said, well, you know, I've been thinking about your question, Ernie, and it's a good question and I don't have a good answer. And I realized that that was a fair response and perhaps the most authentic response he could give, which is that, and, and this raises another point that I've been uh, wrestling with a fair amount, is that I see really important truths that I feel like would really help people if they would just internalize and adopt those. But then a lot of the time I discover that's not really their truth to internalize uh, and do it themselves. That is the role I play in their life um, because of the things that I'm doing. And I shouldn't expect everyone else to do the things I do because I can't do all the things they do. And I need to figure out how to work with them. So that occurred to me like, oh, okay, this is not Ted's thing to figure out. Yes to that. Uh, this is maybe my thing to figure out and to help him. 
in this area. And so as I, um, and then I was really quite surprised when I was thinking, so what my thinking was, okay, well, this feels like, you know, so my initial sense was I think kind of where Bill was that like, uh, and Ted's words certainly could encourage um, one to think this was that we just want to like hold a whole bunch of interviews and just have people talk about what they're doing and turn this into another talk show. And it's like, well, what if Ted doesn't really need us for that? And like, we're not really going to like massively expand his ratings by being on our channel, on our playlist on his channel. So I don't see what the point of that is. But then he started talking more about um, the, um, you know, one in his set of questions about the broken relationships, which he thinks is a crucial issue. And the second is this issue of decentralized versus top down, which is of course near to my heart and the initial focus of the great reset. And I said, okay, maybe there is something there. And the other thing that came up with, uh, which got me excited, which is that, you know, there's not a good term for this. Uh, and the other thing I realized also was that I've heard this all before, but a lot of people haven't because they weren't here the previous two times Ted talked about this. And it's really important. Um, especially given Ted's role as producer, uh, which he has exercised and has, I think, got him more engaged in the process, where he was feeling a bit detached from some of the earlier things. And it did make me realize that, you know, I tend to be very process-centric in my thinking, which is a strength, but also a limitation. And having someone like Ted who really is passionate about the outcome um, and can provide lots of colorful illustrations illustrating what he means because he's so concrete is a useful and powerful thing that I tend to undervalue. And so when we got to the end and I said, you know, you know, the problem is that like, I feel like this, the, the kind of world he wants is the kind of world I want and why I'm here in some sense. And the problem is I don't feel like we know how to talk about it or think about it in a clear way uh, to the point where I don't think Ted can even articulate what it is that he wants us to do to help us get to that world. And it occurred to me that, you know, the streams might converge a bit if we did a DBS on a topic of, on a passage relevant to that, that would help us move in that direction and give us greater clarity, shared understanding and language for digging into this. So I was, that seemed to be at least marginally acceptable to everyone and gave me a, a focal point for next week. So I was uh, grateful for that. And then since then I've been feeling definitely actually more and more excited about how this could play out. So and in particular, I was realizing, you know, I've been very frustrated with a number of things, uh, including my lack of clear communication with Bill and then afterwards, I was feeling this deep joy. And I think, you know, it was only this morning, I realized, you know, maybe it was that story about those kids in Africa that really made me, um, that really shifted my perspective and gave me a more joyful take on the things that I would naturally consider hardships or impositions. And so that's more or less where I'm at now. Okay. Still there? Um, All right. um, okay. Uh, let me see. My take. Uh, I, 
I, I guess. Um, oh, one last thing I should I, guess I also touched that you thought of Bill and had us do a little affirmation exercise. Oh. I have no idea who will receive it, but I still think that was nicely done. Um, all right. So I guess I would say that uh, it, I, I guess I didn't think about it too hard. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, you know, I, I, I keep saying this, but, uh, and I, I feel like it's bad of me, but I'm going to keep saying it because at least I'm being honest, you know, I don't, my priority is not the group. Um, my priority is, um, um, individual relationships and individuals in the group. Um, so I have favorites. And um, so, like, and, and when I say that, I mean, like, well, honestly, like, you're probably, you're you're probably number one on that list. So it's not like, it's not like, uh, it's my, in my personal life, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm favoring Bill because I have, I'm closer to him than anyone else. What I mean is that uh, I, the welfare, the, I don't know what the group is doing. I don't care about the group as a result. I care about people in the group and, and then uh, there's sort of a pecking order there. And so that actually probably puts you to towards the top. Um, oh. um, so, yeah, so that's what I mean by I have favorites. Um, and I'm biased, mm -hmm. and I don't care about the group because I don't care that we don't make progress. Because as far as I'm concerned, we're not making progress no matter what. Um, so I didn't think about Tuesday in terms of um, what are we going to do or what are we going to accomplish? Because in my book, it's always nothing. Um, I was thinking about like uh, what can we do to sort of keep the group together, and like is is there going to be conflict that's going to come out and if so, how do we manage that? Or uh, how do we just prevent some, you know, bad things from happening? And so I, I never even, I didn't, I don't, I also, I would say that I've been sort of busy this past week, distracted, and so I didn't have a lot, I didn't think about this. And um, I think, I think Ted vaguely asked me to sort of talk to him about his pitch, and I just sort of didn't engage. And so I still, I feel somewhat responsible for um, for that. Um, I think if I had engaged, he would be better prepared because I think he was, he was sort of hoping for that, but, uh, I just, I've just been busy. And so I didn't put too much thought into it. And why I, it didn't even occur to me that Bill wouldn't show up because I was just thinking, oh, this is the Romans passage that Bill always is talking about. He would love nothing more than to, uh, get going on this and start, uh, you know, correcting what he sees wrong with the group. And this is his passage to do. And so when he didn't show up, um, when he wasn't there, I was just like, oh, he changed his mind. And it's too risky. And then it, and then it hit me, okay. Uh, what? And then I, then I mentioned the next conversation that I'm going to have with Bill after this. And I'm just like, oh, this is just great. I can see how it's going to go. We're going to do a DDS on this passage, and Bill's just going to sit there criticizing what everyone says, say they're all wrong without actually talking to them, and say that this is just proof that, you know, these people are bad, this group is bad, or something along that. Some excuse to just sort of not try. 
And I was like, oh, I cannot, I didn't want to let that happen. But then I'm like, well, we've already changed the topic, and I'm not really engaged, and I don't have an alternative, and I don't know what to do. And I just see that this is a really bad thing that's about to happen. And and so I, I said what I said. Um, and and apparently people agreed, and I, I was shocked by that. Um, but that, that worked out well. Um, I, I, I really regret that I didn't notice Robbie's, uh, message in the chat sooner. Because Which message? I, I, he suggested that we do a different Bible verse. Ah. And I'm like, I think that would have been a better solution. That's possible, but I think uh, my, my reading of the crowd was that people were actually genuinely curious to hear about Ted's pitch because we had promised it. And they missed all the drama uh, yeah, in between. No, I, I, I definitely want Ted to do his pitch. The thing was, I think he, he wasn't prepared, and I think he just sort of decided, well, it doesn't matter that I'm not prepared. I'm never going to be prepared enough, and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do all the work. And yeah, I'm like, for the record, he already yeah, – and for the record, he actually told me, like, I think before the, all the dialogue with Bill, that he wasn't planning to do any slides. So I wasn't really expecting high-level prep. Yeah. Oh, no, I was expecting slides. I wanted slides, damn it. Yeah, I, so did he, I. And but 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 Ted said, "Yeah, I, I don't think the slides are going to happen." And this was before even the conversation with Bill. So it's not. And you know, ironically, in some ways, I feel like if he had, you know, talked, if you had talked to him and he'd been more invested in it, he may have been more resistant to accommodating Bill. And so maybe there was a sense of providence in that. But that's my optimism. I I don't know. I don't know that accommodating Bill was the right choice. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying I I don't know what. Well, yeah, I, I, I know you don't. Like I said, I I I have a uh, shockingly high view of the sovereignty of God in these things. So that accounts yeah, for my you know, optimism. Yeah, I think that's that's a good good take on it. And I should probably just assume that this. These events were, were ordained by God. We followed the Holy Spirit. And as confusing as it is, this is good. This is all good. Uh, In fact, that's so, more of my uh, philosophy on life. As long as I'm yielding to the Spirit when I notice these internal tensions and do the thing that I feel like leaves the more room for God to work and for His purposes, and then the, I feel, this is probably your main frustration with me too, is I don't worry too much about the outcomes. Like I said, I'm a process guy. Um. Yeah, well, you know, just for the record, I felt a lot of tension about speaking up about not doing the passage. Because mm-hmm. um, I really thought it was unfair of me. I felt really bad about it. And I didn't think I had a good justification. And I was sitting there debating with myself, you know, what do I do? Because I'm worried about it. And um, I felt convicted that, like, not saying anything is the thing that you are so unhappy about where people feel something's wrong and they don't speak up and it's it's tantamount to lying and you can't be complicit in this process um and so i was like okay well the very least i have to just i just had to bring it up and so i felt like that that was the spirit sort of convicting me to to speak the truth well thank Um, you for doing it uh, 
I don't know. I mean, so I guess we're, we're we're sort of picking. I feel like we what we have done is we have just said like, well, when we don't know what to do, we're just going to fall back to DBS, which is a great uh, fallback. Right. Just just so we're clear that it wasn't actually, uh, it, it, you know, it it, it it is odd, um, but you know, like we the plan when we wrote it down back in November, was that we have one week of sort of, you know, I call it the office party where we just hang out and get to know each other better. And then two weeks, one where Ted pitches his idea, and the second is where we agree on his idea and execute it on the third week. That was the, and then the fourth week we take off. That was what I wrote down as my original plan. I don't know if anybody read it or agreed with it or believed it, but that was the original plan. And what was that funny- good to me. Yeah, uh, I think you at least read it, right? So I appreciate that. Uh, now, even the fourth week is unclear because I may not be on vacation given the state of the state at the moment. But regardless, that's still, two weeks is so far in the future, I'm not even bothering to think about it yet. Uh, the funny thing is, I was not planning on pitching DBS to Bill. Bill just kept going on about how he wanted to have a conversation that was just led by the spirit. And I said, okay, what does that mean? Tell me, give me some clarity because I have no idea what it means to have a meeting where no one's teaching, no one's leading, no one's facilitating, she mean DBS. And I just sort of threw it out there in a moment of frustration. He goes, yeah, DBS would work. So that was like a surprise to me that DBS, he said, as long as you add the bit about what the Spirit says to us, not just what the Spirit says to me individually, which I think we'd already agreed to do anyway. So anyways, that, so that was kind of a, uh, we needed something like this. I needed something like this to try to make sense of what Bill was asking for and DBS fit the bill. So that was how DBS worked its way in there. And um, as a uh, handy solution to an urgent problem. And then the other way DBS came up was that, um, you know, I feel like, I think Ted's onto something. And I don't think Ted is the best person to articulate what he is onto. Like, I've, I love Robbie's summary of Ted's belief, which is way more cogent than anything I've heard Ted articulate. Because Ted is very concrete, he doesn't abstract. Right? That's why he can do the insane number of things he does and deal with the insane number of people he has these deep emotional relationships with is because he is so present in the concrete. And so I said, but you know, for me to be able to make sense of this and internalize this and get something to the group, with, I need something that will help the group uh, engage with the concepts that Ted is passionate about in a different way than just talking to Ted. And that's why I said, oh, a DBS would be a good way to do that because that's where everyone is dealing with these things. And so Ted suggested some passages. Uh, I suggested another one and I said, okay, so the point isn't so much that DBS is our cure-all. The point is that we have a stable of practices we have developed, the critical community protocol, um, fishbowl, uh, the DBS, and so the goal is to try to become hedgehogs where we have this library of practices and we reach for the one that's closest and if it doesn't work, we tweak it or invent a new one to do it. So that's kind of my uh, relationship with DBS in this context. It's been a longer explanation than you wanted, but. No, 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 it's, it, this is great, value. thank you. Um, I, I don't know, it, it sort of feels like a confession though. Like, confession that yeah the so i mean like you know in i am always sort of working with uh what i think your your mental model is for um 
the Great Reset. Mm-hmm. In particular, the name. The name. Great Reset. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, it just sort of like, what I'm hearing is, I was like, well, you know, we, we have some tools and we're working with those tools and we're getting better at using these tools and that's great. But I'm like, that's not what you want with the Great Reset, though. You wanted more than that. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so which level are we talking about? Right? There's, there's different things that I want. Um, and I think, I think you may understand a lot of the details, but you don't because I haven't articulated it. And you haven't actually asked, frankly, you haven't even asked in quite a while. What exactly is the overarching mental model that makes all these tools fit together? I <laughs> I haven't asked in quite a while. That's that's a funny thing to hear. Um, yes, yeah, because the, the first few episodes were really about complaining about how I didn't have a plan, and once mm-hmm. I actually had a plan, uh, I don't think you were interested in hearing it. I uh, well, I guess you haven't made it clear that you had a plan. Uh, I've just, yeah, I, I'm surprised to hear that you think you have a plan. Um, I, I mean, to be fair, the plan has changed a few times in the last few weeks, so it's not like those are the plans that you necessarily be uh, any feel any wiser than you are now. But I certainly have. This is the thing that I think that you know you you mentioned you were unhappy with what happened, um, or you were not excited because given your framework. Um, it wasn't clear that we'd actually tackle the hard problem. Um, but, you know, and this is where we got bogged down in this discussion of whether or not we even have different frameworks and whether they're both valid. Anyway, I have a plan now. Um, yeah, okay. I think so, it's better like, than the my, plan my, I had my... last week and worse than the one I'll have next week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, the first thought I, I had was just, like, he says plan. I don't know that he means plan the way I think plan. And, probably and now not. I'm like... Yeah, strategy <laughs> is probably a more technical... Strategy... But the thing is, let me put it this way. I have a mental framework that I'm operating in, which is where certain things frustrate me and certain things excite me because I see them aligning with the overall direction I am hoping that things will go. And even okay. though the details have changed quite a bit, the kinds of things I am looking for, I feel like, has been sharpened by the experiences that we've gone through rather than changed. So in that sense, I feel like, you know, pieces of my half-forgotten dream are getting filled in. It's entirely possible that even if I was able to articulate it concretely, it would not satisfy you uh, because we're starting from different priors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, it doesn't matter. I, I, I want to hear the plan. So, uh, please share. Okay. So at the highest level, uh, the, the goal of the Greek reset is to, well, so let me give you the, the critique and the, um, so I wasn't planning for this, but I'll give you the, the best short version I can. And, um, we'll see if it goes anywhere. So the goal is to, you know, is for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea by the body of Christ, making disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded us. Uh, you know, the, 
more or less standard generic mission statements as far as we go. The critique is that the reason that we have been unable to, we have, we've, we've done a remarkable job over the last 2000 years. I don't want to diminish that. It's really extraordinary things that have happened and are continuing to happen. But it kind of feels like we're hitting the point of diminishing returns. And what I argue is that our existing practices for how we know God, understand what it means to be a Christian, how we gather together and organize ourselves, have hit the point of diminishing returns, where we're putting more and more effort and getting less and less uh, fruit. And there's any number of statistics one can point to as evidence of that. And because of my experiences tackling this problem over the last five years, I believe that the uh, institutions and structures that we see as definitive within the body of Christ are um, part of the problem. And that we need, as someone would say, new wineskins if we are to do dramatically better than we have before. Very much in the sense of disruptive innovation, that we need to change our measures of performance in order to find things that have um, a better performance curve in terms of ability to scale rapidly and have greater impact. Um, so that's the critique part of it. And whether or not you agree or think it's coherent, do at least understand all the words I use so nothing's needlessly obscure. I, you've expressed this essentially before already. Okay. I mean, and I think okay. every, I think everyone in the group generally agrees that like there's things that don't seem to be working. We're just sort of not sure what's a better approach. Okay. So here's the thing. So like, yeah, I'm not either. Okay. But the sense was that, ah, so the whole point of the Great Reset is that, okay, at least for stops doing all the things you're normally doing. And so there's a lot of non-consumption. So there's an opportunity here to rethink and reimagine and reinvent things that did not exist before. And that was the point of the Great Reset. So um, the current version of the critique, which I've, I think I've given a very little before, but hopefully this is more precise, is that um, in order to um, get on this subject trajectory, we need a different set of practices and a different set of structures. And the practices piece I think we've discussed before, uh, but I think it's worth repeating is that, you know, people are ingrained to think that a certain way, uh, a certain set of practices are the only way to do things. And you, you end up with a hammer and nail problem is that if you don't have, if you have a problem that doesn't fit one of the existing practices, we will mash that problem into a way that that practice supports. So listen to a sermon, read a book, take a class, uh, go to counseling. All of those things have value. Uh, especially the latter, um, but I think it's, I'm arguing it's a point of view return, and we have a fairly impoverished set of practices uh, to draw upon in most of our circumstances. And so, I, you know, the, um, that's why I was so excited about Discovery Bible Study and things like that. So that was, for me, was a signature point. It said, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a there there and that this is different than what I've experienced before, which has the potential, at least, you know, it's the ugly baby of disruptive innovation, you never know for sure, but, you know, you build a sense of taste and you build a sense of hope around that. And so half of it, and then, you know, the critical community protocol for introducing new practices, the fishbowl, uh, even what you've been doing in some of the things, issues you've raised, uh, I think those are practices there, not quite as formalized, 
Uh, I mentioned that in my uh, essay on leadership, the practice of really honoring those who speak up against authority um, and the practice of authority humbling itself to receive criticism. I think that's a practice that we would be much better off if it was more widely practiced. Um, so there's things like that. So every time I discover a new practice, like what Robbie introduced two weeks ago, I get excited because we add that to the, the library. And so that's one half of it. The other half of it, funnily enough, is you. Uh, the most exciting thing for me over the last month is how you have gone from a critic to a contributor. And, uh, and then when we formalize that with the relationship between me and you and Ted, uh, I was actually really excited given the fact that in many ways I still don't trust you, but I believe in this relationship that we've set up with Ted. And, you know, it reminds me of uh, see the idea of zero trust architectures in computer networking is that the old view is very much what they call a, a bounded community where trust is defined sort of as a binary bit, whether you're inside the network or outside the network. And that, you know, is useful and powerful, but susceptible to all kinds of abuses, uh, both in terms of trusting people inside too much and not trusting people outside enough. And then you have moving towards a zero trust architecture, which is more like a centered set where there's individual relationships and there's a sense of uh, we are committed to working things out in process rather than requiring implicit trust. So that was exciting on a number of levels. Um, the more specific um, thing that's close to a plan, I apologize if I'm reiterating too many uh, annoying points, is that uh, we talked about the metaphor of a writer producer and director. But what occurred to me on um, during Ted's talk and my meditations afterwards is that Ted has articulated a compelling vision, which frankly, he does a better job of it than I do, because he is concrete that way. But it occurred to me, it's kind of like, uh, I think of him as the voice of the customer, both in the sense of the needs of the city and also the heart of God. And I said, ah, what if David and I could become the implementation team to figure out what uh, relational practices and uh, organizational practices we need to cultivate in order to achieve Ted's vision, which he believes in deeply and passionately, but struggles to articulate in actionable terms. And then um, if we, and then if, Ted gets people's you know, emotional, spiritual passions aligned with that vision, then uh, you talked about at the very beginning, you very providentially talked about this. Like the worst thing is a noisy unit test and a re stable, repeatable uh, uh, test suite, test case is a gift from God. And it's like, wow, if we had a pool of people who actually really believed and had a shared understanding of Ted's vision of what the body of Christ should be like, at the personal, relational, systemic impact level, then that gives us our test case for like, ah, is this, it's not just you know, the half formed vision in my head, it's this hopefully mostly formed vision in our collective heads. And then we could say, okay, is this uh, helping people do that? And is it helping us get there? So um, that's my plan you know, for the next week or two 
to see if we can uh, build a shared understanding around Ted's passion and that starts and start thinking about what practices uh, and structures we need to do that with the the hope that if this actually gains momentum, um, A, it'll start getting us some additional scale, and B, uh, and perhaps even more importantly, it might give us the relational context to deal with uh, the issues that you care most about as well. Huh, that's all I got. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know. It, it it sort of just sounds like you're you're just sort of betting on on Ted to sort of lead us into a purpose, and that you're sort of hoping that you and I can sort of sort of structure things in such a way that we can we can get everyone organized behind it. Yeah, lead is and, too strong of a word. <laughs> okay, a softer word than lead. That's that's certainly true. Um, point. Point is probably a, a, yeah. a fair word. Point us at a purpose. Sure, point is at a purpose. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think either of those things are going to happen. Well, um, let, me, let me back up. A, let me back up. What? Let me, make, let me phrase in the terms that I would be more happy with. Okay. Sure. I think God has a purpose for us as a group. That's my foundational assumption, right? If you reject that, then we're all screwed from my perspective. So I'll start there. And that I think that the purpose in Ted's heart reflects the purpose that God has for us. And I think that if we are willing to listen to Ted and follow his lead um, and listen to the Holy Spirit together, that we will eventually converge on the purpose God has for us. Okay, yeah, that, that, that bit's interesting. Like, why why the purpose in Ted's heart? Why not like your own or anyone else's? I don't know, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, except that uh, the there's probably two reasons I would give why. None of them are definitive. It's just uh, my current best guess. One is that. Ted um, was, you know, the instigator of the great of this whole process, and he has put, um, you know, his name and reputation and YouTube channel behind it. So that carries some weight. Um, the second thing is that in our current structure, he's the producer, and that is in fact the job of the producer to define the market. <laughs> Um, and so it fits with his role. Uh, but there's a third thing, I think, which is perhaps more important if harder to quantify. Um, Ted has um, bet his life and undergone more than I would want to undergo for the sake of God's call on his life. And it's like, I'm willing to throw in with that. 
is that I think that he has um, he's paid the price. He's, he's done the work to understand what God's heart is and throw in behind that. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying I accept it point blank, but I'm saying that, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's enough. And yes, it, it, and, and it's enough in the sense that it's enough to use as a starting point. I absolutely believe that in order for this to work, it has to be expanded and refined to include what matters most to you, what matters most to me, what matters most to Janet, what matters most to Bill. I think all of those are critical pieces, what matters most to Steve. Those are all pieces of it. But I think starting with Ted, because of his personal, structural, and historic role, is a plausible path to success. Um, if only because he gets okay. to kick our butt if we fail. That's pretty much the only thing you and I have agreed on. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know. I think you're you're assuming. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, that's almost an empty statement. I, I could I could care less. Um, couldn't care less. Um, okay. Let me let me try a couple of things here. Um, first, well, I first should wrap off, up by the way. Um, so we'll we have to end another cliffhanger, but hopefully not as abrupt as last time. Okay. So, uh, Bill what bill wants is is essential to this and so if it's missing there's a problem mhm absolutely okay why uh this is a probably a theological perspective i believe that what people want most is put at their hearts by god and for this to work it has to uh, be able to incorporate that. Uh, that's at one level. On the second level, I think that, you know, as long as I've known Bill, like there's this pit bull-like obsession he's had with this idea, which I barely understand. Um, I understand it better after, in the, in the, I think I've gained more understanding about it in the last month than I have in the previous three years. Um, but there is something so i think the reason bill and i are together is he sees he senses something wrong that i also believe is wrong which i believe is tied to this idea of decentralization versus top-down power structures and i am convinced that if we find the thing that god wants us to find that will also speak to that wound in bill's heart and so it's a good unit test or at least an integration test. You know, there, there have been other people that were part of the group. Mm -hmm. they, they, came and, they, came, they came and went, and I don't, I don't hear you mentioning them and their hearts, and, and I'm wondering why. Um, so we can talk about that. Uh, I remember the name. So there are people, like John McClements, who's a good friend of mine, and I still pray with him periodically. He felt God was calling him out. Um, you know, his DNA is still part of this, but he felt like God had something else for him to do. And I've learned to trust God's judgment of what he's telling, uh, when he tells him. 
Um, Leonard, uh, sort of a friend, of, a work friend, the family, uh, was involved very much the first season, and then he felt like his time commitments were elsewise. He wasn't. He says, "I still believe what you're doing, but I just don't have time to commit to this." Um, a couple of people came through the heart sync process. Uh, this other, this the guy, Bill, I think it was. Not not Bill. It was the other Bill. Anyway, um, I'm not sure why he left. Um, I don't think it was. But so the the regardless is that people came. And very few people who have, um, you know, the people who have come and invested significantly in the group, um, you know, J- John and Leonard were the two big ones. And the rest of the people who sort of came and left felt like they were just sort of checking it out and moving on. And that's fine. That is not a strong signal for me. Uh, but anyway, Bill, you know, is, is, there's a relational personal context with Bill, but there's also the fact that Bill has invested so much social capital uh, in helping this group get along, and he's been a part of it. And I also think he happens, he's probably, I think he's onto something, even if I'm not sure what it is. So that's why his perspective is important, as is yours, uh, as is Janet's, as is Ted's and Steve's. I mean, those ones, the other people who are involved have um, either lower involvement or just less opinion. So like David uh, Huffman, I love him to death, but his he is not as opinionated in many of these matters. Though I certainly fervently believe and hope that whatever we do speaks to what's in his heart as well. Uh what what social capital do you think Bill has invested? Um I think he's the one who suggested you cut, you join this group. Yes. And you know, so, so so that's social capital. When you when you say, "Hey, here's this thing that I think you should be a part of," that to me is social capital. In fact, word of mouth is the most valuable form of social capital at this stage in any organization. And so, the fact that he's been willing to bring you and Janet and Emiliana to the group is, you know, uh, a huge um, endorsement for which I am grateful. Okay. Um, do we really not have any time? Um, we don't have much. If there's something specific that's on your heart, I can squeeze it another five or ten minutes. Uh, yeah, there there was. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm worried that I'm working out the proof that this group cannot work. <laughs> if that makes you happy, you're welcome to try. Um, Why would you that, want to? Well, uh, so I don't waste time. Yeah, I think that's really the the fundamental question that you need to ask yourself, uh, David. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole point of the reason I'm doing this is because I feel like God's put it on my heart and I have wasted enormous amounts of time and that's what we do for the things we love. The little prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. And if your goal well, is to protect okay. yourself from wasting time, then, you know, you can work that out with God. Well, I mean, like, you know, I've been I've been clear that, you know, I only came to the group to sort of check it out, and I thought it was interesting, right? Like, we watch it a TV show. Um, I don't I don't love the group like you do. Um and 
And yeah, and, and I think you know there have been plenty of people. I think most people have actually approached the group with the same attitude. Um, I didn't feel called here, um, except by by Bill, who who's rather vocal about some of these things. Um, um, but a calling from Bill is not the same thing as a calling from God. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I. What I would say is, you know, no matter what, I, I think the, the, these. Well, I guess what I would say is like the thing I've been I've been I've been thinking is like my my fear is that this group is is nothing more than an example of or a, it's us sort of trying some things out and experimenting and it's going to be nothing more than just sort of an example of how not to do things that that we all learn and grow from and so all of us benefit from it, but I think there I'm worried that there is nothing else that really comes from. That it's just sort of like it's something that edifies each of us individually, but nothing else. And in my book, I would say the group, what I would say is that seems in line with God's plan, something like that happening. It's something that, you know, I don't feel bad about. It's not something that I would, I, I'm, you know, I think is a bad thing. It, it, and when I say waste of time, I don't, I don't think that is a waste of time. Because if I really thought this was a waste of time, I wouldn't even be talking. Right. It's just sort of like it, it's not as good as it could be, Right. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would say, if that condition is met, though, I would, I would say that the group was a failure. That that right, you know. So on, uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, as I've often said, the problem uh, with the, the difference between a genius and a crackpot is not obvious until the final act, right? And this is a sure. the, the challenge I've been facing all my life, and so. Um, like, I don't know. I mean, I have seen things that to me, I find is incredibly encouraging sign that this is different. Uh, a big one was when you agreed to step up and act as director for these sessions. Um, and some of the other things like uh, the incident and the various other incidents, like, okay, there's something here that I have not seen before, which I think has the potential. And, you know, even if um, so one, we're growing individually, which is not a small thing. I feel like uh, my relationship with you has been extraordinary, uh, both in terms of its um, intellectual content and its relational growing. Um, and um, I feel like some of the things that have happened have also been extraordinary, extraordinary, not necessarily unique, uh, but rare and powerful and the kind of thing I would like to see more of in the world. And those are encouraging signs to me. And, you know, it's entirely possible, um, you know, possibly even likely that we will end this series after a year and we'll say, huh, I have no idea what any of that meant. And we sit there and then maybe, you know, weeks, months or years down the road, we say, oh, my God, I can take all that stuff that was created and build this or somebody else does. And I personally I'm okay with that. I have to be okay with that because that's pretty much everything else I've done over the last five years <laughs> has been has been these things full of enthusiasm and vision and then imploded, um, but they created uh, fuel for future versions. But so even though I think that's possible and even likely, I actually think that this time will be different. And I don't know how, and I can't promise that 
you know, the thing that I see is like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the thing that justified all this time will be felt the same by everyone. Here's a more interesting question. Uh, and maybe I'll leave it on this one, David. So there are things that I have seen here that make my heart sing, where I feel the presence of God and the power of God. And I look at these things and I just weep and I say, wow, if only for this, that would all have been worth it. And maybe a good discussion question for later is, what would do that for you? Okay. That's, can we leave that as our – can we leave it there? Uh, well, I do want to ask – I really need to get this one question at you. Okay. Uh, this Because in my mind, it – oh, man. In fact, your question, I think, ties into my question, now that I think mm-hmm. about it. Um, because I think it's the fundamental problem I have with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I think you said multiple times now that there was a certain number of episodes, a certain number of seasons that we were going to do. That you mm-hmm. specified that at, at the beginning. What is that number? Um, uh, Forty-nine episodes, seven times oh. seven, and that was just that was that was. And this is just this was a random thought at the top of my head at the end of at the end of our seventh episode. I said, "Huh, this feels like a, sorry." Before our seventh episode, I said, "This is a good time to stop and reflect." And I said, "You know." we should do this every seventh episode. We should stop and reflect and make that a new season. I said, huh, how long should we do this? Well, we should do seven seasons and then the 50th would be a Jubilee. And hopefully by that, it'll be clear what happens next. So that's what I've kind of internally signed up for is I'm going to do this for, I guess, 50 episodes. And then hopefully at that point, it'll be clear what happens next. So that that's sort of you know this is the engineering answer. Well, you're not sure what you're doing. Time box it. And so far, the the seasons have worked out remarkably well. In that, I feel like each one has turned into an inflection point, even if rarely the way I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because like, what happens after the seventh season isn't clear to me. I like, I don't feel like, like, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying there. Well, and I'm saying that I don't know. I'm saying this is the time box that I signed up for, and I'm hoping that God will make it clear by then. It could be we okay, say, no, you know, okay. hey, let's take the show on the road. It could be that you know we uh, fish it into a whole bunch of different things. I don't know. But yeah, okay, no, I, I take it back. I, I think I understand it. Yeah, I, it, it, it's the same thing. I, I, I don't know what happens after after season seven, but basically, this is a limit to your commitment. You you have committed this much and and no more. Uh, you might change your mind later, certainly, but for now, this is what you have committed. That's a and, reasonable way of looking at it. It's not entirely. That's not all of it, but that's that's sufficient, I think. Yeah. Okay. I think. If that. you're curious, the other reason, the other the other thing it means to me, uh, I don't know if you've ever done any any running or physical fitness activities, um, but one thing I learned really is like if you know how much time you have, you know how hard you have to work. So I made a decision um, when I was 44 
to run a half marathon. And I said, I'm going to run the half marathon a year from now. So I had one year to train. And because I knew I had one year to train, I knew I could go at a certain pace in my training. Whereas if I said, I'm going to do it in three months, I'd have to work at a much more intense grueling pace. And so this was also kind of my way of saying, okay, God, I, I think I'm willing to handle the pace of doing this in one year. I don't want to take it over multiple years and I don't want to try and squeeze it all into three months. And so that's kind of the thinking I had in terms of what I felt I needed and what uh, the world needed for me in various ways. So that was the other reason for the time boxing was to just sort of set a pace. That may not mean anything to you, but it was part of my thinking. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Well, you've answered my question. Thank you. All right. Are you satisfied with your care? No, but we're out of time. So thank you for that. (laughs) The the advantage of time boxing. God bless you, David. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, Just for a record, are you comfortable with me leading a DBS around whatever passage Ted selects for our next session? I would say that I, I wish we had continued with the thing with Ted, but I don't know how to do that. So uh, I, I can't possibly object to what you're suggesting. Uh, DBS is fine. Okay. Um, well, hopefully, I'm hoping that it will converge. This is one of these things in my head. We'll have to see whether it works out in practice. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fine to me. Um, All right. And the other question was just because it is your slot to defer. The last time you mentioned it because you're not familiar with DBS, you would uh, be okay with me sort of kicking off the format and sort of handling that piece of it? Uh, Yes, I would prefer it, in fact. Okay. Thank you. Just wanted to make sure I was on board with that. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, and I I don't know what your fondness, you you don't seem to have a high level of fondness for DBS, but if you do happen to wait for the moment, I'd say, oh my God, if I could get Ernie to study this passage, that would totally uh, scratch the stitch for me. Let me know. We're going to run it by Ted. Yeah, no, I don't think so. All right. Not not expecting it, but you never know. Okay. All right. God bless you, David. Thanks for taking the time. I know you've got a lot going on. I pray the rest of your work week goes well. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time as well and for the extended call. Take care. All right. Bye.